Hi, folks. Welcome to the uh, next edition of the um, Serverless Crack, our uh, podcast. Uh, my name's um, Dave Anderson. I'm a contributor and author at the Serverless Edge and technical fellow at Bizarre Voice. Gentlemen. Uh, Mark McCann, contributor and author at the Serverless Edge, stay at home dad, um, sorting out Christmas. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Michael O'Reilly, um, contributor at Serverless Edge and also a uh, software architect working with globalization partners. Good stuff. Um, today I thought, well, quite a little bit of talk about security this past while, this past few weeks, and always see lots of conversations about serverless and security. Uh, it's one of the obstacles that people think, you know, there, there's sometimes there's a CISO who uh, doesn't want to touch serverless because it's not secure. Um, what do you folks think? It's serverless more secure or less secure? Um, no, it's a good, it's a good question. Um, I'm kind of the opinion that it's, it's more secure. Um, and it's more secure because, I mean, at a high level, how I would answer it is that, you know, we've talked on previous sessions around rapid delivery. Um, you know, the fact that we're assembling or aggregating various sort of components or managed services together to form a product or a feature capability. A massive part of that is that, you know, I don't have to worry about the operational side of maintaining the you know, the, the servers that those managed servers run on. So the, the cloud provider is patching those things and doing those things to uh, a level that a lot of organizations would probably struggle to, to keep up with. So I think from a, from the infrastructure and the operational side, there's a ton of um, good, uh, you know, security benefits that we get from that. I think the other element of that, tying it back into the rapid delivery thing in serverless, is that serverless, in terms of the approach, is highly opinionated. So um, there's only so many ways that you can go about assembling um, your workloads, your uh, your services, um, and those things. Uh, you know, you, you think about, and you can kind of you can you can work. Now it's not to say you can't you can't configure things in security. There still is responsibility there on the yeah. app security. Uh, for application security, you know, that lands with the teams. And I know we'll probably talk about this later, but there's probably a number of things that we do that we've always done, regardless of whether or not we're in serverless or not. But I think serverless definitely gives us more security. Um, but it doesn't mean that we don't take it seriously and that we don't treat it as a fundamental yeah, I think the, the shared responsibility models is key here. And a lot more of the shared responsibilities for security of the cloud fall onto the, your cloud provider, AWS, in this instance. I think mm -hmm. with leveraging you know, higher level building blocks, leveraging managed services, more of that responsibility is on to, you know, in, our, in most of our cases, AWS. And they have some of the, the best security engineers in, in the business. And they're, they're very good at articulating and, and working behind the scenes to you know, patch hard and secure and, and give guidance and stuff. And I know a lot of the you know, vulnerabilities that are announced regularly and you, you go and check your, your app and, and you find that, oh, by the way, if you're on serverless, if you're on Lambda, we've already taken care of that for you. You know, that, that vulnerability has been, been addressed for you. So I think there's, there's a lot of benefit and, you know, and, and, and letting you know, the cloud provider 
you know, manage a lot of that and operate a lot of that because they're going to be better than any sort of internal team that you're ever going to uh, assemble. So I think it's, uh, yeah, uh, I'd say I think serverless is more secure as a default, but you can, you know, um, based on your responsibility, you can make it insecure, right? Uh, and that's where some of the guidance around sort of well-architected uh, you know, really helps address any of those sort of gaps. So it makes it very clear that, you know, any of the, responsibilities that are yours and your team are actually taken seriously yeah there's <clears throat> a, a, there's a load of stuff here you can talk about um there's also the risk exposure if you have a purely serverless application um then you're responsible for application security and if you mess up application security maybe might some somebody might steal a bit of detail or data hijack a session that's not good but you know that that's it's at an application or a session level. Uh, infrastructure security is handled by the cloud provider. Now, if somebody compromises your infrastructure security regularly, you know it's ransomware. Your whole company is down. Game over. You know it's it's you know losing customer data is bad, but losing your entire company's um uh, data center is <laughs> it's 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 catastrophic. Um, so the, the exposure is slightly less, I think, with serverless. Um, and there's also a part that thinks to me as well is, is the attitude of security. Um, and it's like the traditional versus modern thinking. The traditional thinking is, you know, perimeter detection. We'll just, we'll build a big high wall, we'll put loads of alarms on it, you're done. Um, but with the modern strategy, it's about securing each asset appropriately to what it contains. Yeah. You know, so it's 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 like your castle has a big wall around it, but once you get through the gate, you can get access to everything. Well, once you get through the wall, there's additional security because you know the crown jewels have got crazy security around it. You know, the the park out the backyard is fine; you can walk around all day long. There's nothing there you can damage. So, you know, you do need some perimeter protection to kind of keep out the 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 opportunistic hackers, but your real security is in by each asset. Where it's yeah. it's locked in, and and I would fear that many companies have still have perimeter access. Yeah, I think we're 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 evolving from castle sort of castle and moat type mentality to much more zero trust, where yeah. you know every, every, you know you assess the trust as you go through, and every every individual component has its own security boundaries, and there's a there's there's strength and depth there, and we talk all day about the zero trust type mentality, but I think serverless helps. Uh, enable a zero trust um, security stance. Yeah, and I agree, and I and I think a lot of those, a lot of those challenges exist if you're in a, in with a cloud provider or in your own data center, regardless. But where I do think you get a wee bit of a lift is that within the, you know, the cloud provider, um, I've found certainly since kind of moving into serverless type workloads and things like that, is you do have a wee bit more capacity for thinking about like your authentication your authorization kind of designs and processes you know your your touch points boundaries with regards to those things um you know and and i've certainly had a lot more time to design those things and and certainly a lot of those services are flexible to those sorts of designs as well whereas i mean if you're in the, the data centers and you're kind of working across a, a polyglot and you kind of have to support many different sort of you know cuts type um you know capability that that can come that can become challenging uh yeah. you know so i think yeah. there's a certain degree of uh flexibility or 
you know, what's the word? Um, you know, it's a wee bit more accessible, I think. Yeah. Um, do, do, you, do you think with, you know, serverless and all the responsibilities shifting left, you know, teams have more visibility, more ownership, more control over security where in, in the past and traditional sort of architectures and systems we've worked on, security was almost taken care of you, care for you by, by another team and you weren't really exposed to it. It was like, like you mentioned, David, it's on the perimeter somewhere and ah, I'll be fine. The perimeter will catch up. We don't need to worry about security. Whereas now, you know, it's much more, um, Shift uh, left. Uh, uh, it's much more of a requirement for the team to actually understand this and have a, have a yeah. handle on it, even though the burden is lowered. They still need to be aware of it. They still need to own it. They still need to do a test for it and, and secure it. Shift left. It, yeah. It's no longer shift left. I mean, um, met a guy at reInvent, a guy called Ian Heritage, and his talk was about don't shift left, start left. Because, yeah. I mean, um, this is just how you need to do it. You need to um, identify your assets day one and establish that, you know, that access control from the off. Um so it's it's now part of your it's part of what you need to do. Um, so I think that's that's very interesting. And also, Mike, you mentioned authentication and authorization. I think people begin to understand this better now. You could be authenticated to get in somewhere, but still not authorized to do a bunch of stuff. A lot of traditional security was you're authenticated. Okay, I'm in. Okay, let's go nuts. I can do everything. So that's that understanding authorization. As a design consideration, day one is absolutely critical. It's, it's hard to retrofit that. Yeah, I think, I think there's been maturity around what security means for serverless workloads as well. You know, we've seen the emergence of the OWASP serverless top 10, which is great. You know, the, the OWASP sort of um, top 10 has been something we've, we've fallen back on a lot in our careers, right? You know, how do you secure something? Well, let's check what OWASP was saying and let's make sure we're covered for it. So it's good to see a, a tailored version of that for, for serverless workloads. And a lot of it is around you know, standard stuff that we would be addressing, but it's good to see it called out that there's there may be a different um, attack vectors here. You know, there's more the the code that you use, that the the dependencies and NPM that you bring in. You know, there's all of these sort of things you need to be aware of. But it's good that you know there's a you know you can just Google for this now. They will serverless top ten, and you can get some good advice. Yeah. Um, so what about security itself? I mean. Like, do we still need a security department if developers can start left? Or do we still need a security presence, evil security people and good developers? Um, I thought the relationship between security and developers <laughs> is very important. And just for the record, I don't think security are evil. So no. Somebody will press no. a button on me. <laughs> yeah, and I think, I think you know, we, we've talked about this, I mean, not publicly, but you know, we don't want security to be an enabler. Right. You don't want it to be the department of no. And you know, historically that may be in the perception. But typically, you know, the ones we have interacted with, they're the most they're brilliant people. They have you know, buckets of integrity and they're trying to do the right thing and, and you know, trying to balance a lot of different concerns and you know, speed versus security and you know, all these other sort of traditional stuff, Japan and deck debt versus going fast yeah. on new stuff. So you know, I think I think they're 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 some of the best people in the industry or in security. So it's they're, they're definitely not uh, something that you want to shy away from. You want to have a good working relationship with them and, and take them on the journey with you as you as you explore new stuff. Well, it's a, it's a symbiotic thing. You know, come back to what you said earlier in the call about the shared responsibility between, say, the developer and the cloud provider. It's the same thing between the developer and, say, cybersecurity or the security department in your organization. Um, you got to have a good 
uh, working relationship there like a, a supportive one so like what i mean by that is we talked about this in previous sort of discussions around like uh you know um the the amount of responsibility or stuff that a, a serverless team has to take responsibility for so it's like security reliability resiliency performance costs you know the operational side security is, is in that and i think the application team has a duty to take security seriously and i think if they're doing that normally the relationships with the cybersecurity is quite a good one because um one the interactions can be actually quite productive in that it can be a consult or a coaching type session you know actually we're uh you, you know they say as part of threat modeling you should never invent your own mitigations you should be really using you know well-known ones you know um so you need that expertise within the organization. So if you're not sure, it's always kind of good to have that uh, support um, from cybersecurity yeah. expert to consult with and to almost just give you that confidence that, yep, you have taken the, a good approach to security within your, within your workload and you haven't come up with something that isn't a good mitigation to a particular threat or... You know, so I think it's I think it's a it's a symbiotic thing. I, I think it can be quite complementary when everyone's kind of working at a good level. Um, yeah. yeah, but I think it, it needs to start. You need to talk to security people and understand what they're trying to do. Um, like when I first came across security decades ago, um, I remember thinking this is so complicated, and I made an effort to learn about it as much as I could. And as someone who's spoken at security conferences. I still am a complete amateur at security. It's so complicated, um, you know, and it's, but I think the thing is, is that, you know, sit down with security people, talk to them, understand what they're trying to do. And I found huge, huge value in when you're hit with um, a process that's difficult, understand what's the control behind the process because yeah. the process is just trying to put in force a control and they understand what the control is. So that's, that's the goal. So once, and the security people will tell you this. So well, the reason why this process exists is for this control. So it's application security. And you say, well, what does that mean? So we don't want the source code tampered with. Okay, right. And then you can kind of, you know, partner yeah. with them to find the best way of doing that. But if you fight the process, uh, good luck. That's a one. It's <laughs> one way out of here. It's not going to work. Never yeah, I think ha having that shared vocabulary, having a common language is is critical and. I know we have had great success with, with threat modeling to help sort of bridge some of that common sort of language and common vocabulary. And you know, threat modeling as a technique has been awesome, not only for good application design, but also for having those conversations with you know our security partners and security teams around. Well, here's all the threats that we have identified. Is that what do you think? And here's what we're doing to mitigate it. And you know. As, as, as you mentioned, Dave, you know, there are these controls we want to meet. We want to meet them in as automated a fashion as possible. So we want to bake it into our CICD pipelines. We want to bake it into our you know, building block constructs that we use to, to deliver these services. And ideally, we then get these reviewed and approved by the security team upstream so that whenever a developer comes along and, and composes the next application, they're building it from securely hardened, approved building blocks that, that yeah. learn to go fast, but go fast securely. Yeah, I still, I mean, threat model is a brilliant one. Um, I think it's worth talking about some techniques that yeah. hardly make security easier. But I do you remember Mike, um, I, I don't mind naming him, like the first project that, that you and I brought threat modeling in. 
Um, we spoke to a security guy, a guy called Bill Pelletier, a good friend of mine. And um, he was just like, no, you're not doing this. <laughs> so we went off and, and discovered threat model and worked out how to do it. And then came back to him with the threat model. And I was expecting another tough time. But he was like, this is amazing. You know, I, I love what you've done, but you've missed something. We were like, brilliant. I didn't know I missed that. So just, I mean, I couldn't believe how warm a reception that, um, and I've experienced that ever since. When you do come to the security team and say, this is what I think you want to do, and this is how I think we should do it, you're opening up that conversation. So I think that's a brilliant technique. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I remember that well. That was a long time ago, maybe what, 15 years, maybe. Yeah. Um, but, and, and it's the Microsoft threat model. And, um, right. Yeah, so it, it kind of uses Stride and it's very application centric. And what I really like about that threat modeling technique is it, it doesn't have to have a, a security professional involved in the process. Yeah. You know, so it's the, the yeah. it can be the, the, the manager, the, the engineer, the product owner. Yeah. They can all be in a room together, kind of working through that process and following that Stride exercise. So it's, it's actually quite a fun activity as well, but it's a really good way of designing security into your uh you know your workload or your whatever you're doing um you know and then at the end of it you know in terms of validating it it was that it was let's let's walk that through a with a cybersecurity architect or somebody in the know and security end and you know the process is actually really really good and again it's the application stuff it's, it's kind of what we said at the start of the call we're taking responsibility for design and security into our system and i we've been doing these for a long time now and there hasn't, there's never been a threat modeling exercise where we haven't surfaced value, you know, or yeah. requirements that we've just got to address. Um, so it's such a phenomenal um, approach to being proactive about security. And I think, I know, like Mark, you've kind of mentioned there, you know, there's other supporting things are like the OWASP top 10 for, for serverless. Yeah. Um, you know, from a reactive side, there's tons of tools that we can kind of look at. I, I know, Mark, if you kind of want to mention any of those or... I just, I have, a, I have a, a, a funny story about threat modeling. I, I, I'll be careful how I tell this, but I, I was trying to convince a team to do threat modeling and I was talking to the security lead and he wasn't sure if it worked or not. And it was quite a high profile project. And I said, let's just try it and see what happens. Because I knew the engineer team, they basically sat outside, it's up beside me where I was sitting. So I says, well, let's run a quick pilot. So I walked over to the security and he says, he said, We've been all over this. We've spent months. This thing is, is it's it's bulletproof. And I said, okay, well, let's let's threat model, see what happens. And I walked over to the engineers and I says, um, is there any security problems you see in that thingy? And they went, Yeah, there's a loophole how you can log into the application, but it's going to be fixed later. Right. And I was all right. It's <laughs> something that's something to do with a token that was implemented incorrectly. But the team thought it was going to be fixed later. So we threat modeled and highlighted two or three issues. When they came back, it realized that there was a break in communication between the security requirement and the implementation. Now, it was a dead easy fix, but the engineers just thought, well, this, someone else will fix it's this. Obvious. And the security guys thought, well, this has been all implemented. It was just, it was a very, very minor misunderstanding, which was caught before anything went live. But and I, I, yeah, I think there's a key point there that we've been big of this. It's, it's assumed nothing, but it's also these collaborative, facilitated, team based activities surface so much value because you, you get a diverse group of people in a room and you work it through or, or on, on a zoom call and there's such great discovery of you know, ideas and things that you haven't thought about like like threat modeling what the way we do well architected reviews it's always team 
focused. It's always collaborative and facilitative and a safe space for people to, to surface exactly that. Dave, it's like, oh, you haven't thought about this. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, let's, let's think about that then. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's always like with all this stuff, you know, you, you always have a good tool set. You have a good design. The thing that'll catch you out is probably a break in communication somewhere. Yeah. And the best way to catch that is make it a team event, you know? Yeah. yeah. And like I, and as, a, as an architect, I think it's a really good exercise for making sure you understand how teams are going about certain things as well. So you're constantly validating thinking, you know, so when you're kind of walking through, you know, the Microsoft threat model, you're, you're building out DFDs, you know, data flow yeah. diagrams, and you're constantly reaffirming, is this, is this talking to here? What are we doing? What, what are we passing across? You know, and then, you know, you can use it to weave in the, the organization's information, uh, you know, data privacy kind of policies. And you can kind of, yeah. well, what type of data are we moving? You know, which is a big aspect of what application developers are all doing. It's not really about movement yeah. of information and how we're protecting that information, things like that. So it's such a good thing. And then, you know, even looking at post-production, you know, um, looking at people say, well, we've got we've got all the static analysis in place and stuff like that. Well, you know, you can still design insecure systems, you know, that maybe something like an SE, you know, static code analysis yeah. thing won't pick up on or, yeah. you know, so you gotta, you gotta take that stuff quite, quite seriously. And the other one last point on the threat model piece, I know we're kind of beaten it to death, but the, um, what I really like about it is when you when you get into the mitigations and then how do you verify your mitigations, then that kind of leads yeah. you down the path of how do we get creative around testing this is not a problem, you know, so you're arming yeah. the engineers with ways to test the system and diff- through a different perspective and you're, yeah. you look at different techniques around that, you know, like Mark, I'm sure you, you love talking about chaos engineering and, yep. um, you know, all that and- stuff and... And, and like, like we mentioned at the start, how do you then meet those controls in an automated fashion? You know, how do we, oh, here's our test. Okay, can we begin it into our pipeline? Can we run it every single time that we yeah. make a change? You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's that sort of constant evolution, constant security improvements that, that we go to. I think the other technique that we love is the well-architected sort of review process. And we've written about this in the score process that we've written up as well. But, the, you know, what we had found very valuable is to, ask the teams to do a threat model before they go into their well-architected review. And you, know, you spend five, 10 minutes just going over your threat model before you kick off the, the well-architected review session. And that gives so much context and gives so much value to the team who are then going into that well-architected review. You find that then the well-architected review becomes very, very slick, very fast, because they've thought about a lot of the, the boundary conditions and what, what way the data flows, and they can visualize it very clearly. So. You know, yeah. as a as a tip or a technique, doing a threat model first before you do a well architected review, just just adds so much value, so much context. And another great piece of that is the the security champion, identifying a developer who would be a security champion. And like yeah. this isn't always the most senior developer; it's just a developer who is interested in security. And you don't give them a badge and a button and say, "Okay, you start knocking heads." You know, you really say, "Well." We're going to spend extra effort to inform this person so they learn all the controls and process, etc., so they can then help out the team. So it's 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 a it's a win-win for everyone when that happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, one, one, one of the big enablers we also you know was baking in the security guardrails into your you know, environment as much as possible. And there's a there's a fine balancing act there between you know. Uh, stopping things going ahead and you know, what we always had in, in the ecosystem we've worked in, we've had guardrails in place that, that 
almost give you the baseline security, you know, encryption address, encryption of transit, you know, everything was tagged. You know, there's a whole sort of foundational layer. Now you can use tools like AWS Config or SAP and a few other things to, to put that in place. But but having that that those enabling constraints in place allow you then to have a higher order yeah. conversation about you know, proper well, application security. That's a really good point, you know, and and I think it complements that security design. Like so we were introducing a, a team to serverless in this organization. And one of the things we did do as part of that was introduce like CFN Lint and CFN NAG. And CFN NAG is a, a very opinionated um, sort of validator that will go through your cloud formation and kind of highlight things that maybe could be tightened up, which is a really good way of, you know, kind of being proactive around, you know, asking ourselves, are, have we went out with the most secure settings? You know, should we be looking at sort of defaults or encryption? And is our resource policy a wild card? <laughs> um, yeah. You know, so you gotta, those sorts of things can really help, you know, find things that maybe slip through the cracks there in relation to the implementation. So there's tons of good tools out there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in summary, I guess, serverless is more secure do threat modeling, do well-architected reviews, have some, have some security champions, establish some good guardrails and automate the hell out of everything. 100%. And talk to your security, security. department. They're not evil. You don't have horns. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right, folks. Well, that's the crack. That's the crack. Um, good fun. So more about on the um, the serverlessedge.com um, blog and on Twitter we're on uh, at serverlessedge so thanks very much thank you Bye. Bye.